a bit weary in the battle, and then you've sensed and felt the, the strong arms of Jesus carry you up. I appreciate our Lord that He's not just there in the good times, He's especially there in the times that are challenging. And I um, hope that you're, you've uh, had a good week. You know, I was thinking this week how I just couldn't wait to get to Sunday. It's been a challenging week somewhat for us as a, as a family and just different things. And so we're glad that uh, we get to be together and be encouraged in that, in the things of God. And I hope that's you this morning. You're seeking the Lord out today and uh, looking forward this week also just to begin our series on following Jesus and uh, announced during our Vision Sunday that we're going to be going through the book of Luke on Sunday mornings for, for next year. But I figured, you know, it's heading into the Christmas season. I'd love to land around the, the Christmas story uh, during the Christmas season. So we're going to start Today, we're going to start in the book of Luke. So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, and I wanted to also say thankful for answered prayer, and good to see Sister Deidre here get back um, and well from, from her illness and then her trip over in, in um, Sri Lanka. But um, good to see you all. I hope that you've, um, you've just been thinking through our Lord Jesus, especially heading into the Christmas season, and and we're going to look at the first four verses of the book of Luke, but just before we get into that, a couple of things about the, the book of Luke. I think you got a handout, and you got your notes there, and or if you notice that they've been hole-punched, and so that means I want to encourage you to keep it, and we'd love to, to, um, to put that together for you in, in the next year, and keep your notes. Feel free to write uh, your note, any additional notes on your, on your pages there. But as you know, Luke is one of the four gospel accounts. Really, these are biographies written by men but given by the Holy Ghost to record the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, I think what makes Luke unique, and, and really for me, it's my favorite account of the life of Christ, what makes Luke unique is that it comes from various sources but compiled by a single author. And we'll see that in the first couple of verses of Scripture. And really, Luke's great emphasis in, the, in his portrayal of Christ are those of who were on the outside looking in. He, he was careful through the inspiration of God to really confirm the testimony of those that were in Christ that really originally were on the outside. What you're going to find is in the book of Luke is a view of Christ from those whose lives were changed. And what Luke does, he writes as a, as a historian looking back and therefore not only powerfully retells the stories of Christ's life here in the pages of Scripture, but really upon reflection, what Christ demonstrated through His life. See, in, in, other, in no other book do we find Christ's mission more vividly illustrated than in the pages of the Gospel of Luke. So in this way, we follow Jesus through the lens of those who really, like us, were alienated but now have become citizens. Strangers and now heirs, outsiders who are now very much in the inner circle of belonging to the large extended family of Christ. And if you think about it, Luke himself uh, is understanding of this because he was not one of the twelve. He, as a Gentile, really demonstrates a great deal of knowledge about the Hebrew Scriptures. And really, even from the outset, as an, as an educated man, he he must have, if you think about him, peered from the outside, perhaps listening into the synagogues of which he couldn't be a part of. Here, the very foundational concepts of Jehovah God 
And the coming Messiah must have impressed upon him as he listened on the outside, as those who were on the inside, the Jews, as God's chosen people, expounded about the Old Testament prophecies which came to life in Christ. Luke, the the good doctor, the faithful companion of Paul and the rest of the the, the uh, the first century church, as a writer, was used of God to weave really a beautiful narrative of which we will see and follow Christ. And the early church was full of those who did have an account of Christ, many of whom Luke consulted in the writing of this volume of Scripture. In Acts chapter 1, we note in verse 21 to 22, Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So, there were those that were Paul's, uh, Luke's companions who literally walked where Jesus walked, was there at his time and knew Christ. And, and of course, we know many of those apostles and some others that we'll see in a bit. But in our day, you know, I think many on the outside are looking in. There are those who, who wonder perhaps why Christianity still even exists, why church is still relevant today. And I think the book of Luke is a good resource for us to tell about that. I think the account of Luke is really a good witnessing tool to to show that those who were on the outside eventually were able to come in. And and I think that's an interesting perspective that really Luke writes under. And so let's begin to read here. That's a little bit of an introduction to the book of Luke. But let's look at verses 1 to 4. And and if you note, the chapter 1 is really long. And so we're just going to cover the first four and then, Lord willing, in the next couple of weeks, finish through so that we can get into the the Christmas story. But I think this is good and foundational for our understanding of the direction that the gospel according to Luke will will go. And so look at verse 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning, notice this, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. And so the first four verses of the book of Luke it really is an interesting way to start a biography. It, makes, uh, it sets forth an introduction of the reasons why this piece of Scripture was written in the first place. And you know, when we're interested in buying a book in our day, we can easily, at the flyleaf, back cover or read a review about the contents of that book. It's easy for us to do that, but you think about it in, in Luke's day, This was impossible to do. And so the very first few lines of a scroll were very important as to summarize the contents and intents of a piece of literature. So Luke does this in the opening four verses of this gospel account. Notice that he sets forth in order a declaration. He's about to declare a a, a narrative, a, a, a true account of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he does it in a unique way compared to the other Gospels. And perhaps one of the great things about this account of the Gospel is the eyewitness approach it has taken. Notice there again, 
In verse 2, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses. So what Luke did was as he went amongst those of the early church, of the first century church, and those that that had stories to tell about Christ and, and their direct dealing with Him, he sat down and he interviewed. He rehashed. He had them retell all of these stories. And then, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he began to write based on those stories that he had collected. Based on those dealings that he had with those eyewitnesses. And, and although each gospel writer writes from a dis- different perspective of the one story of Jesus, what we see emphasized in the book of Luke is the various accounts that come together to make this one great volume of Jesus' life. That's why I think as you look through the book of Luke, what you're going to find is so much detail that the writer gives. And we understand that the, the way Scriptures are written, it wasn't merely Luke's mind or Luke's skill in writing. He was given the, the, the Holy Ghost to be able to pen the very words that we read today. But the reality was Luke had a lot of resources. Luke had a lot of source material to draw from. And using that, the Holy Ghost then puts the narrative that we're going we're to read for the rest of this month and then, Lord willing, the year ahead. And so we see this great volume of Jesus' life. And, and I think as we read those verses, this is a reminder, really, that we are all, if you're saved here this morning, witnesses. And when we collectively come together under the banner of Christ, what we do is we weave together a beautiful picture of our wonderful Savior. Because you think about all of the different stories of this, this uh, great uh, gospel this book of Luke, you, you think about all of the wonderful things that, that happened to people. You know, all of those things have one thing in common, and really one person in common. It weaved a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. It really shows us who He is and how He dealt with people. And, and you understand, even as you look around this room this morning, and if we were to take the time to interview you, interview you, interview you, and interview every person here, that claims the name of Christ, that claims to be a born-again, saved believer, then all of us here will have a story to tell. But all of those stories coming together will paint a, a vivid picture of who our Savior truly is. And all of us here, even though we were born into different races, uh, different backgrounds, different countries, different places around the world, even born into different creeds, came at one point to realization of their need of a Savior, and they came to Christ knowing of who He was and what He had done for us on the cross of Calvary. And all of our lives, if you're saved here this morning, was changed because of the story of Jesus Christ. But I'll hasten to say this, that some of you came to Christ because of the witness or the testimony about another of their dealing with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some of you came because a friend or a family member came to the knowledge of Christ and their lives were changed so dramatically. Their lives were changed so, so vividly, so, so obviously that you couldn't help but be at least intrigued about what this person named Jesus Christ did to that person that you know. And really what that person was, he was an eyewitness of the reality of Christ. And what I'm saying is each of us, we have a story to tell. 
And in that, we find a, a great declaration of the truth of Jesus Christ. And the challenge today is this. I wonder if you will be part of the narrative. I wonder what you say through your life, through your testimony, through your, your changed life. I wonder what you declare about the Lord Jesus Christ. And boy, we ought to be careful about naming the name of Christ, right? You know, in our day where there's so much misinformation about what it is to be a Christian, what it is to be a Christ follower, we need to set forth in order a declaration of who Christ was by ordering our own lives and ordering our own witness in line with what we see in Scripture. See, Paul had this view also in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. He tells the Corinthian church, he says in, in that verse, ye are our epistle written in our hearts. And notice what the Bible says, known and read of all men. And, and how you live as a Christian, it either highlights or denigrates the story of Christ. It either reinforces and emphasizes the truth of it, or it casts doubt in other people's minds. And what Paul, uh, sorry, what Luke, the writer of this gospel, sought to do was he, he, he went to set in order. He went to make certain those things which they had heard of Christ through the testimony of those who were affected by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I wonder if we would be challenged in our day to make a right picture of the glory of Christ. And so what we're going to learn is, is a couple of things this morning as we think about being an eyewitness account. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord God, for our opportunity this morning to open your word. And Lord, what a, what a great reality it is today. The great challenge of our day is to have an authenticity about the things that we believe, but then also a matching testimony, an eyewitness account of the way that you have changed our lives and the way that you have dealt with us. And I, I do thank you, dear God, that, Lord, in our day, there are those still who are seeking for the truth. There are those still that, Lord, through, through, uh, through investigation, uh, would still come to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that, Lord, you still, you still give us this time as an opportunity to be a witness for you. But I pray, dear Lord, that you impress upon our heart today. Lord, just the importance of that. Lord, the importance of us gathering together. Lord, as a testimony of your working in our collective lives. And so I pray that you'd help us as we open your word. Help us, Lord, to understand the, the verses that you give us. Lord, so that we might apply it in our lives. And I ask for your enabling. I ask for your power this morning in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And so what we note firstly in verses 1 and 2, we see here that he, again, he declares for us his intent. And notice he says in verse 1, for as much as many have taken in hand. So were those already in that day who had begun to, to perhaps elaborate, perhaps even write down those dealings that they had with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you, you understand that all of these weren't uh, put in one volume, perhaps. They were taken in hand. That means they, were, uh, they, they had times where they read about or they heard about 
this person who was there, uh, perhaps at the seaside there with the 5,000, perhaps some of those who, uh, maybe the, the brothers uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ who uh, were amongst the, him when he was growing up and they gave their account. But what Luke wanted to do was, was take all of those and set it in order, a declaration of those things which are most surely believed. He, he wanted to take the, the, the many stories about Christ and under, again, the the guidance and the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, put it in the volume that we read today. And what we've learned there is this. There are many of those who in, in Luke's day believed in Christ. There were those who understood and had a common belief. And they had that in common. And, and what this pictures for us is firstly, if we're going to be an, an effective witness, we need a collaborative approach. There were those who... Luke was fellowshipping with, those that Luke was, was hanging around with and were befriending and were listening to that aided him to become a more effective witness. And evidently others had given account of what Christ had done in their lives. And what Luke does from the very beginning acknowledges that others have tried to put together a narrative of the ministry and life of Christ. And he refers to them as eyewitnesses in verse 2. He says, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses. Uh, eyewitnesses referred to several of those individuals who followed Jesus during His time here on earth. These, of course, would have included the apostles and, and some others. And, and you know, your testimony, how you came to believe in Christ, how you came to that saving knowledge of our Savior, that, that's a powerful story you can tell. That's a powerful witness. If, in fact, in another account of the Gospel in the book of John, we see that really this, this woman of Samaria who Jesus met by the well, the, her, her only soul winning resource, her only thing to use to be able to convince others of the truth of Christ was really a story about Christ. And you know, it wasn't anyone else's story in the first place. It was her own story. But what I'm saying is collectively, when we think about the effect of Christ in our lives, we can be an eyewitness through our testimony. And all of us here came to Him through different means. Again, perhaps someone sat, like sometimes we do, with you in your home. Someone may have knocked on your door. Maybe it was a relative like me. It was my grandmother who sat with me and, and told me about the love of Christ, my need for a Savior. Uh, perhaps some of you, you had a, a good friend who just somehow came to know Christ and somehow you noticed a difference in their life and they pointed you the right direction and you understood your need eventually of, our, of the Savior and you got saved. But all of us here collectively, collaboratively can sharper, sharpen our witness. All of us here collaboratively as we get together. And you understand, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen a marvelous Persian carpet. You see the different intricacies of the patterns and the different colors of the thread. And if you've ever gone by and you've seen someone on the loom who's putting together a great big tapestry. And, and you know, all of our stories combined really gives a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of those different colors, all of those different stories interwoven together as a church, but as the church body collectively 
really shows us a picture of Christ. And when you weave all of the threads together, it creates something beautiful that really we can all stand on. And what Luke sought to collect was these stories and put them in a volume that depicted for the reader really a portrait of Jesus Christ. So in this, we who declare to have a story about Christ, I want to say, must take care in how we portray Him. You understand that our lives as a Christ follower is, a, is an advertisement for who our Savior is. And, and like I said at the beginning, your life can either confirm or, or, uh, or re-emphasize the truth of Scripture or it can denigrate or damage it. You see, we must be careful about our lives, how we as believers advertise Him. How we as believers uh, show forth the effect that He has had in our lives. And we must realize that we are, as witnesses for Christ, we must do it in a collaborative way. You know, none of us here has a monopoly on Christ. None of us here this morning can just say, well, mine's more authentic than everyone else's. The, the reality is we all have a story to tell about our Savior. And, and that's why it's so important that we gather. You know, that what we understand firstly in this collaborative approach is firstly there was a collective belief. They, they had a belief that they all stood upon. Notice again, Seth set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. There was a general, a common understanding of what they believed. And this collaboration was based not on just random reasons. It was based on a collective belief in Christ, His mission, and His teaching. That's why we gather together on a Sunday. That's why we have a church that, that we, when we come to, uh, to join in membership, we have an agreement of the doctrines of the Word of God. Because we have a collective belief. And, and even though we, we have a collaboration of different stories and different testimonies of what Christ has done for us, really underpinning all of that is a collective belief in the Word of God and what it testifies about the Lord Jesus Christ. Right, church, this morning? Are we awake? It's about Him. It's about what, what He has declared already and, and those things that we must surely believe among us. And, and this has been declared for us really in summary in the Bible. See, the Bible, unlike in that day, is now complete. And the Bible has set in order those things which we ought to believe. And really, our witness is one born of a collective belief in what the Bible says about God, man, and our responsibility toward Him. See, the purpose of Luke's writing was to set those things in order, but really to affirm the collective belief of one another. But then we notice also, not only was this collaborative approach based on a, a, a collective belief, but it was also a confirmed belief. The Bible says in verse 2, even as they delivered them unto us. There were those who were declaring things and those things then that Luke then confirmed as he, as he sought to, to seek, uh, he sought others to, to reinforce the story. 
And this was a collaboration of a belief held by those really who were there to see it for themselves in the first place. He wasn't just getting second-hand information. He was going to those who truly understood in the first place in their own lives what it was and who was Christ. And this collaborative approach was held together by the commonality they had in their experience of Christ and what He has done. And I want to say this was first-hand knowledge of who Christ is and how He has affected their lives. And, and you know, the, the most effective story, the most effective witness are those who were there in the moment. You know, I, I think sometimes we underestimate our story. We underestimate what Christ has done in our lives. You know, we want to look at fantastical ways. And, and, and I'm one of them. I, I look at my, my testimony and I, I, I sometimes think, well, I wasn't saved from this lifestyle that was, was really wicked. But in the reality, my testimony is just as powerful as the one, as the drunkard who got saved. You know why? Because it was Christ in all of it. R regardless of how we got there, it was Christ that did the saving. And that's the important part of the story. It was a confirmed belief. These were those who had first-hand accounts. They were eyewitnesses of what Christ did. But then also, notice verse 2. So they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses. And then notice the last bit, and ministers of the Word. Not only was it a collective belief, a confirmed belief, but it was a confessed belief. There were those who were teaching through and ministering the Word. There were those who were pointing to Christ in, in, in type in the Old Testament and through their, their stories, uh, the fulfillment of the prophecies. And, and really, this was a collaboration based on what was confessed by those who taught the Word. This collaborative approach was, again, underpinned by what they were being taught weekly. And, and church, don't underestimate. Listen. You know, sometimes there's an idea that, oh, we don't have to go to church. Listen, then you ignore a, a vast amount of Scripture in the first place. But, but there, there's, a, there's a, sometimes an attitude that, well, we don't have to come to church to be a Christian. And we understand that. It's not about coming to church to be a Christian. But if you are a Christian, it's important for you to gather together in the common place to hear the Word of God preached. It's important that we come together to learn more about our Savior, to learn more about His Word, to learn more about what He says to us. And, and, and many times, the collaboration that we seek for is really just the, the, the very simple thing of coming together as a church body for the, uh, for the express purpose of understanding what it is that we, we confess about the things of the Word of God. And they had that common thread who weekly... They, they came together to learn about Christ and His teachings, really to the whole body. And then what happens is throughout the week, each individual would apply that truth given them and, and, and themselves apply it to be a witness in, our, in their daily lives. And all of us here, as we come together, let's not take it for granted like it's just another sleepy Sunday. I hope we, we wake up this morning a little bit and understand that what we do here isn't just a matter of sitting in a soft padded pew, but it's listening in and taking heed to what we're learning about today. 
so that we might take it into the week. And listen, church, this morning, we're not just the church on a Sunday morning. We're a church throughout the week. It's not just when we gather. This is a time where we look into the Word of God for instruction so that we can apply it in our daily lives. Listen, how is it that you advertise Christ this week? You know, as we're, we're instructed this morning, I wonder if we're thinking about what, what our witness has been this week. And I'm not just talking about soul winning. I'm talking about what advertisement have you given about Christ? You know, for those of your friends and neighbors who might know that you're a Christian, what have you reflected? And this is a time when we get together where we sharpen. Maybe there's an applicable story about someone else. Maybe they had a similar background your neighbor had to a person in this room. And you might share that story. And, and listen, we collaborate and we come together because we're stronger together as a witness. Notice the second thing in verse 3. Verse 3, it seemed good to me also. Notice what it says, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. And he does, he does this, he writes to Theophilus. And what we see secondly is not only a collaborative approach. So again, unique to the book of Luke, he goes and he sources stories. But then also, secondly, we see a confident attestation. He, he declares something in confidence. He says, it seemed good to me also. He understood the value of what he was about to do. He understood the value of his own witness. He understood the value of giving this account of Christ. And he was confident knowing this, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. So there are certain things that was given Luke from the Holy Ghost and from a stewardship point of view of his own experience that, that he was confident in, that he could confidently declare to Theophilus. And, and Luke was able to be confident in his witness to Theophilus of these things because really of a couple of reasons. Again, although we can't know for sure if Luke encountered Christ during Jesus' time on earth, we do know that Luke was a believer, really who was a first-hand recipient of what Jesus offered to all who believe. What I'm saying simply is this, Luke was a Christian. And his life was changed because of Jesus. And here Luke attests to Theophilus that he had perfect understanding from the very first. This declaration isn't about Luke's confidence in his own ability, but how he was resourced by God to be able to, to give an account of this. And, and what we see firstly is Luke's qualification. And really his only qualification was this, he had the Spirit. As a saved person, he was indwelt by the Spirit. And by the way, can I just tell you this? You can bear witness because you have a witness in your spirit. You have the Holy Ghost dwelling in you. If you're saved here this morning, the, the Holy Ghost dwells in your heart. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And, and listen, the, He is the one that, that teaches you all things that Christ taught. He is the one that witnesses to your spirit that you are truly saved. The Bible tells us about the Spirit of God that He is the seal. He is the one that, that, that seals you until the day of redemption. And if you're, you're saved here this morning, if there was ever a time where you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then this morning I want to tell you that you have the Holy Spirit of God 
guiding you, teaching you unto all truth. And He comforts. He helps. He reinforces. He, he, he witnesses to you. And really, He had the Spirit not only as a saved person, but then also as a chosen writer. You understand, although there were many accounts here that Luke refers to, they weren't chosen to write a volume of Scripture that we see today. Luke was chosen to do that. And we understand that the method of which God does that, we see it throughout the Scripture. He used, he used man, guided by the Holy Ghost. It says in 2 Peter 1.21, For the prophecy came not in old, uh, old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And, and Luke was given very first, the Bible says there, information through the Spirit's enabling, just like other writers of Scripture. He was given special insight and special guidance by the Holy Ghost to be able to put together this piece of writing for our preservation. And so Luke's qualification, he had the Spirit. But then we see Luke's organization. Notice that he says in verse 1 that he put it in order. And you understand Luke was a, a learned man. He was an educated man. And, and God especially enabled him to put in order in, in the sense of meticulous detail. It suggests that this is in, in chronological order. And Luke took the work seriously and with full effort. And, and what, a, what a great attitude that, Paul, that Luke had with Scripture. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we look at the, we look at the, the, the Scriptures and we, we wonder... We wonder which way we should read it. And there's many ways we can read it, but can I just say this, that God put it in the right order. God put the Word of God, it's inerrant, right, church? It's, it's, it's given us in the way that it's given us for our, our edification, for our building up. And we ought to have a great, we ought to have an attitude to the Scriptures of, of understanding the details and and understanding the order of which God has placed it in. And then he also, again, as we said earlier in verse 2, he used first-hand accounts. Again, his sources probably included uh, many things, but it, many scholars believe that Mark's account of the gospel was already written at that time. And if you look at the, the, the book of Luke, some 320 of the 661 verses from Mark are also in the book of Luke. And so there's, there's, there's written evidence, internal evidence to say that he had already, perhaps even as his main source, another scripture in the book of Mark. His witnesses probably included Mary and the Lord's brothers. See, the apostles and the disciples, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and many others who were companions of Paul. And, and this wasn't, isn't unusual. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you wanted to see a great declaration of what the, what the gospel is, we see that in 1 Corinthians 15. And notice verse 4, notice what Paul said similarly. In verse 4, and, he that, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, so there's the disciples, after that, he was seen above 500 brethren at once, of whom, notice this, the greater part remain 
unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. So he's saying there's a great amount of them who were first-hand witnesses, eyewitnesses of Jesus' time on earth that were still with them. There were those who had passed on, fallen asleep, but there were many still who they could go to and understand more through their first-hand experience. And Paul, no doubt, you think about his closeness with Luke. Paul, no doubt, had, a, had some sort of influence in the writing of Luke. They were steady companions through Paul's ministry. You read through the, the times that Paul went here and there and Luke was with him. In fact, at, the, at times, it was only Luke with Paul. And so you understand that Luke organized this with first-hand accounts. And, and some have even postulated that Luke wrote as Paul sat in prison and hence had Paul's uh, ear while he wrote. You can almost picture them comparing notes. Early church writers attributed this gospel as much to Paul as they did with Luke. And we also see similar words such as faith, repentance, mercy, and forgiveness much more emphasized and evident in this account more than the other Gospels, which seems to indicate Paul's influence upon Luke. And and what I'm saying is, is these were real people with real stories about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you understand the reason why Luke was confident in his attestation, in his declaration of these things, was he organized them in such a way that he understood the, the, the validity and the truth of what he was writing. And, and really, at the end of it, he wrote it down to edify another. See, Luke's goal was to help Theophilus in the faith. Notice verse 3. He was confident then to write it in order to this fellow by the name of Theophilus. His goal was to organize his thoughts and communicate it to him via writing. And what I'm saying is when we, are, we grow in our confidence of knowing the Lord and knowing Scripture, then we are often also confident to give others that truth. You know, I think sometimes the reason why we as dads hesitate to have maybe times of devotion, maybe hesitate to confidently answer those things that our children are asking, is in the first place, we're not confident about our own walk with God. In the first place, we're not confident in what we ought to know in Scripture. In the first place, we're, we're not getting deeper and, and knowing more and growing in, our, uh, in, in the things that we ought to know about Christ and His Word. And yet, what we see about Luke in his witness to Theophilus was he was confident in what he needed to declare because he knew. He had studied. He had sought out. And he understood who Christ was. And what that was, he was being an effective witness. But who was Theophilus? What we see, thirdly, as we think about Luke's confident attestation, is Theophilus' acclamation. Notice what, what Paul, uh, sorry, Luke called him, he was most excellent, Theophilus. And the, this gospel was written to the- Theophilus, who was also, if you look at it, the recipient of the book of Acts, in, in Acts chapter 1.1. The, tree, this, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus. So really, Acts is a con- continuation of the book of Luke. And part of Luke's confidence to attest of these things was also, I think, due to the recipient of it. You know what I find is, is when, when the church is hungry 
to listen, it's easier to preach. When someone you're speaking to is, is actually interested and actually is hungering for the things of the Word of God, it's easier to give them that. You, you have a greater confidence to tell them. If, those, if you go in, and you've probably been in a situation like this, you go into a place where you know it's going to be contrary, there's a bit more nerves than you usually do. But when you come in and there's an understanding that this is why we gather, and there's a, there's a sense of the hunger in the people, then there's a greater confidence that comes out of that. And, and here's what Theophilus was. He was someone who was hungering. And, and so he, when Luke wrote this, he was confident in, he, in what he was about to declare. As, and you know, as believers, we ought to be glad to receive anything that grows our confidence in Christ. But we ought not to have the attitude that, you know, we only listen if it's our favorite preacher. That, that somehow it's only the ones that, you know, we particularly like. I hope anyone that comes up here that, that, that preaches truth from the Word of God that we would give the respect to and give the attention to. But who was Theophilus? His name, he was a common one in that day. His name means beloved of God. Some believe that he was a young believer in Christ who wanted to know about his Savior, and so he commissioned Luke to write an account. Others have speculated that Theophilus was someone who wasn't a Christian, but was interested to be one, and so he wanted more information about Christ. Many, though, agree that Theophilus perhaps was a high-ranking Roman official. If you look at Scripture, the only other times the term most excellent was used was to address other high-ranking Roman officials. It was used of Felix. It was used of Festus. And so more than likely then, he may have been a Gentile convert to Christianity. He perhaps even, uh, even was a, a, a benefactor to the writing of this. Luke would have had to uh, gain some resources in order to do this. And perhaps he was someone who, who God used to finance the, the, the writing of this Scripture. But here's what I'm trying to say. Regardless of who Theophilus actually was, at the very least, he was one eager to learn more about Christ. And you know, here's what I'm saying. Theophilus could be any of us. But Theophilus was one who was eager to learn more about Christ. I wonder, in, in, in your life, are you eager to learn more about Christ? I wonder, for those of you, can I just speak to you, who've been saved a long, long time. I, I wonder if you still have a wonder about your Savior or has His name grown dull in your ear? Has His name grown dull in your heart? Has the stories of Jesus Christ become just something you're familiar with and familiarity has bred contempt in your heart? I hope not. I hope that the older we get, I hope that the older we get into the world, into the the, our, our Christian journey, the more we desire the Lord Jesus Christ. The more we desire to know Him. The more we want to know the intricacies of His person. The, the more we grow in the depth even of the, the simplicity that is Christ. I hope that we don't just become some who are just filled with knowledge that puffs up. And Theophilus was one who was eager to learn more about Christ. You know, the best witnesses are experts. You ever notice that? 
when, when uh, in a court of law, when someone gets called up, they're always experts in their field. You know why? Because their word holds credibility. You know, sometimes in our witness for Christ, the reason why perhaps those that we're trying to tell aren't convinced is because it doesn't seem like we're, we're very knowledgeable about the one who we're speaking about. It seems like we have a pretty rudimentary understanding of, of what we're speaking about. And no one calls on a, on a witness that can't expound on their field. And what I'm saying is we should have an eagerness we should be people who want to grow deeper and grow more knowledgeable and grow in our heart-level understanding of who Christ is, that, that his, his name and his, his work and His mission and His life and His death and His resurrection isn't just something that we put aside until Christmas or Easter. That is something that as we read through the pages of Scripture, We'd look to see the face of Christ. We'd look to see the, 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 the types and the pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ through every page of Scripture. And then I hope that then we can have a confident attestation, a confident declaration in our witness. But then notice thirdly and lastly, we see as Luke writes that he has a communicated aspiration. Notice verse 4, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. And his aspiration for this writing was that it would make certain some things. And here's the point of a witness. A point of the witness is this, you, you prove the argument to be true. You put it beyond a shadow of the doubt. You give certainty. You could be the compelling witness that brings home the truth in another. You know, his account of Christ was to give a greater certainty to this fellow named Theophilus. It was to strengthen another's faith. And I wonder, does your testimony strengthen or weaken someone else's faith? Does it strengthen the argument for Christ or does it weaken it? You know, today we too readily and too easily call ourselves Christians. But I wonder if the world sees it that way. I wonder to those who are on the outside looking in, I wonder if they, they look at your witness and it strengthens their desire to know more. I wonder as you say words and you act and you work and you are amongst those who are without. I wonder if you're redeeming the time like we're challenged. I wonder if we would be a true testimony. You know, does your testimony strengthen or weaken someone else's faith? Is your daily purpose to make a good account and make certain to those within and without the testimony of Christ in your life? You know, we look around today and there's a bit of a, a highlight, isn't there, of of celebrities who have turned to Christ per se. You have in our nation recently the, the stand of Israel Folau, famous football player, and, and he's under scrutiny, isn't he? You know, things that he says is scrutinized. 
things that he posts are scrutinized. In, in the broader general um, popular culture, you have a fellow by the name of Kanye West. And I'd never heard of him really until recently. Looked him up and understood he was a rapper and somehow he had now turned to Christ. And you, you listen to some of his lyrics and you sort of go, well, if he is saved, then that's, that's a baby Christian saying something. And, and look, I'll be personal with you this morning. I hope he's saved. I, I hope he is. I hope he understands that he was a sinner who needed a Savior. And I hope that, that he truly did call on the Lord. But here's what I'm saying. They're under greater scrutiny. Things he says now, things he does, the things he, he posts, they're a lot more under scrutiny than he, he did before. And we have in our culture today a review mentality. You know, you could look up our church and write a review on it. And if you are planning on it, give us five stars and a good review, all right? But you, you look at that. And we have a review mentality. You know, the restaurant that you went to last night, you could, you could review them. You could write something on TripAdvisor. And it'll put down their rating. Or it'll boost up their rating. And, and what I'm saying is really, the reality of it is this. Whatever the case is, and I, I know probably no one here is famous like these guys are. But there's a whole lot of you who are Christians who boldly proclaim it. Now I wonder how that reflects on our Savior. I wonder how your behavior and your conduct reflects on who Christ is. Because at the end of it, that ought to be our aspiration should be that we make certain some things in another person's life. Through our testimony, through what we declare to be true, I wonder if those things... Our, our, our witness, our testimony strengthens or weakens in this review mentality culture that we live in. I wonder if it strengthens the cause of Christ or it weakens the cause of Christ. I wonder how our testimony is doing. I wonder we who we declare to be eyewitnesses of Christ. See, this thing, notice in verse 4, wherein thou hast been instructed... This, these stories perhaps weren't something new to Theophilus. But what Luke was trying to do was he was trying to deepen it. He was trying to make it certain, these things, in Theophilus' life. And notice that this wasn't something new. And so really when we think about strengthening another through our witness, through our testimony, it really just bears repeating. Your witness doesn't need to be new. It just needs to be faithfully repeated. You know, the gospel, especially in our nation, isn't new. But it needs to be repeated. You know, the name of Christ isn't new. But the name of Christ needs to be repeated in our day. You know, the cause of Christ isn't new. But it needs to be repeated in our day. You know, you've told your testimony before. Maybe tell it again. You know, you've said that thing to your child before about Christ. It just needs to be repeated again. And many times through Scripture, through the other books of Scripture, we see themes and topics and, and different aspects of our faith just repeated again. And what you're going to find as you sit here for any kind of period of time 
is you're going to hear some things from this pulpit, from this very Bible that just needs to be repeated again. And we need to repeat those things that are true and right so that others might deepen in their knowing of Him. You see, you shouldn't tire of sharing Christ. Grow more. Discover more. Deepen. You know what you're going to find? You'll never tire. You know what? The, the Christ is inexhaustible. His Word's inexhaustible. You, you could have read it the first time this year. You could have read it the 50th time this year. You could have read it the 150th time this year. But listen, you're going to learn more and more. You're going to deepen. I don't care about any other book. You can, you can declare you know, great resources and you can talk about different textbooks and different things and you can talk about how if you read that, then you'll be more directed, more, uh, more deepened in your walk. But there's nothing that substitutes the Word of God in our lives. And listen, you better, before you pick up that book, be in the book. And so we see that he's, it just bears repeating. You know, I think about the Apostle Paul who in Philippians 3.10 says this, that I may know him. Think about Paul and what he was entrusted. And yet his desire was that he would deepen, that he would know him more. But really, if we're going to be aspire to strengthen another believer, it's just a matter of not just repeating, but reinforcing. You know, you being a faithful witness helps reinforce the faith of others. You, you may be the only Bible a fellow believer reads today. Your, your faithful testimony of what Christ taught will reinforce that truth to another. You know what this next generation needs? They don't need new truths. They just need a, a witness for Christ. They, they just need someone who will just live by the book. They'll just need someone who will be like Christ in their lives. Be someone that will just be like Christ. Not be the latest trend. Not be the latest kind of leader. Not be the latest kind of celebrity Christian. Someone just needs reinforcing in the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we would attain to something, if we would aspire to something, let us aspire to be like Christ. See, Paul said that I may know Him. You know, I'm thankful for the testimony of all the saints. I'm thankful for, for men like Richard Hester who, who stood in front of us, who, who years and years served and labored and sacrificed and, and allowed themselves to be a vessel. And, and I said it with all my heart last week, I, I hope, that if God allows me the years to live and He tarries, that I would have that spirit that that man had. And I would have that and, and I would pray that, that there would be more who older in their walk, older and, and more experienced in their knowing of Christ would just take the time to just take care of their witness. Not grow old and get grumpy, but grow old and be more joyous and gladdened in their knowing of our Savior Jesus Christ. I hope that there would be those saints here who, from, from uh, recollection, as I look at you, uh, it, it bears to mind those memories of your service, uh, of your walk, 
of your sacrifice, of your labor, of your witness for Christ. I, I pray that as God allows you more years, that you would continue on, that this next generation might see that same fire and fervor in your life like you had it in the first place. Now, sometimes we grow weary of old truths, but it's the old truths that this new generation needs. I'm thankful for the testimony of all the saints. I think about my grandparents. I think about their, their prayer. I looked at my, my grandma's old Bible and the scriptures she wrote on the margins. I looked at my grandpa's old Bible and the scriptures that he had highlighted and the answered prayers in the flyleaf of those Bibles. And I prayed, God, help me. Help me as they testified in my life to have that kind of zeal and fervor. Help me to, to look at another and strengthen their faith like you strengthened mine. Too many times we want to reinvent. But the reality is we just need to reinforce. Thankful for those who have grown old and still live for Christ and still live like Christ. And I'm saying you are a witness to me of Christ's sustaining power, but listen, we need to be like that in our day. doesn't matter what age. Someone's looking at you. And Luke, his aspiration was that he might strengthen another's faith. And we do that through our witness. And I wonder what kind of portrait we are of Christ. If you will be an eyewitness, then you will be part of and rejoice in Christ's work in others. Now, Luke didn't have this attitude that it was his and his alone. He, he gave credence to those who had taken in hand to set forth. He, he looked at the work of Christ in others and it filled him with confidence in Christ. It enabled the Spirit to put together this beautiful picture, this beautiful narrative that we're now going to really look into and never grow old of repeating and reinforcing the truth of Christ. Some of you teachers, don't look for something new in Scripture. Just teach the Scriptures faithfully. Some of you parents need to be a witness for Christ in your homes, in their conduct, in your behavior. Some of you young people, you're a teenager now, there's those kids who are looking to see how you are as a Christian. Some of you who are desiring to see your parents, your loved ones saved, those parents and loved ones, they're looking at you to see how much you are like Christ. How much you are like the one that you declare to love. If you're going to be a witness, you need to understand that you can only strengthen those whom God has called you to help if you will have a first-hand account of Christ in your life day to day. Let's pray. Father, thank you, dear God, for this time. And Lord, I... I just know, dear Lord, that I needed that for me this week. 
Lord, too many times in hot water situations, we, we fail to grasp that, Lord, as Paul wrote, our, our lives, our, our epistles written for others to behold and see. We fail to grasp that, Lord, we form a, a portrait of who Christ is. And Father, we re- recognize the need more and more today. In this day of confusion, this day of cynicism, what a powerful thing it would be to truly be an eyewitness for you. And Father, I pray that you would help us to just, Lord, have a soberness about our conduct this week, our testimony. Lord, that we might set forth in order those things that need to be declared. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. The piano can begin to play. Perhaps you're here this morning. Perhaps you've heard about Christ. Perhaps you haven't. Maybe this morning you wonder then what Christ is all about. Can I just tell you that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his mission. The reason why he came in the first place was to show that you can have victory, to show our need, and to show the solution to that need. And he willingly laid down his life for you and I. And I wonder if you're here this morning, and I was ask you this question. If you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven, that heaven's your home? Has there ever been a time where you've trusted Jesus as your Savior? I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if there was a time you were baptized. I'm simply asking, was there a time where you trusted Jesus as your Savior? And perhaps you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I'm not sure. Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if there was ever a time where I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Can I just invite you to just raise your hand? No one's looking around. I simply want to pray for you this morning. It'll just be between you, me, and the Lord. Is there anyone here this morning? Just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not saved. There's never been a time where I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. Is there anyone this morning? Just with an uplifted hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. I'm not just speaking to visitors. I'm speaking to even those who are regular attendees. Is there anyone here? Just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure. Is there anyone? And I want to speak to you, believer. I wonder if there's been a time that you've just recognized the value and the power of your testimony and your witness. And if you would just say, Pastor, pray for me. The Lord spoke to my heart about my witness, my testimony for him. Is there anyone here? Just say, Pastor, pray for me. The Lord spoke to my heart today. See those hands. Anyone else? See those hands. Anyone else? The Lord spoke to me about how I'm living. I see that hand. Thank you. You can put it down. I wonder if you would, some would just say, Pastor, pray for me. I just want to be a witness this week. I, I want to make sure that the way I live is a good reflection on the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there anyone here just say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to I have a good reflection. I see those hands. I see those hands. 
All right, let's all stand to our feet. No one looking around. I want to invite you, if you raise your hand, if you raise your hand to come forward at this altar today and just spend some time with the Lord. Maybe it's a time to repair, time to be forgiven, a time to just 